0: Welcome, I'm Alan Pito, and I'm joined today by Senata Vihari Bhikkhu. He is a Westerner who became a monastic, so I figured he'd be great for the topic today. And the topic today is going to be, do you have to become a monk or nun to be an actual Buddhist? And is that the best way forward? So basically, we're going to be talking about monastics and laypersons inside this video today. So welcome, Bante. Hello, Alan. All right. So I think we kind of like start off with probably a little bit about your, your history and how you got into Buddhism and also became a monastic. I, I, I know it's a great story, but you were a former, <laughs> you know, um, military, you're in the Air Force as well. So, I mean, you, you have a, a, a nice rich history here, but, you know, you eventually, you know, found Buddhism and then eventually decided to become a monastic. So if you wouldn't mind if you could just kind of explain kind of like how you got into it and then how you kind of decided, you know what, I want to take this extra step from being not just a lay person, but now I want to be be ordained, I want to become a monastic, and kind of what was going through your mind at that time.
1: Yeah, Uh, so yeah, I was in the Air Force, and uh, for a couple years, Air Force Reserve, and did a couple of deployments too, and all of that, and uh, you know, my journey with Buddhism begins back in high school, uh, when I picked up a book from the Dalai Lama, and you know, I really, it really resonated with me. And I was like, yeah, I'm a Buddhist, but uh, I was in mature high school, you know,
0: Right.
1: <laughs> the high school is. Uh, so I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll come back to it later. Um, and I did, you know, every couple of years, I'd come back to it. I'd read more Buddhist books. I went to a couple of temples, but unfortunately, you know, due to language barriers, I wasn't really able to progress in in, in, in those temples. And then it wasn't until, you know, until like in my late 20s, that I, you know, really got back into it. I read a lot more. I studied a lot more. I went to many different uh, Buddhist temples, both Theravada and Mahayana, and listening to a lot of uh, mostly like online talks. Um, And then after doing that for about two, almost three years, I decided to like take refuge formally, which is interesting because my teachers here at the Sri Lankan Theravada temple were like, oh, if you think you're a Buddhist, then you're a Buddhist. Like, you know, that's it. (laughs) and I was like, no, I I want something to like, I want something formal. Well, they're like, there isn't anything like ceremony. You just have to take refuge and say, you want to practice five precepts. You can do that at home. But if you like, you know, we can give them to you here, you know, like that. And I was like, okay, I just, I need the, I need the thing to make it real, to keep me honest. And uh, so then I did that. And then after a year of practicing that, um, you know, I also went again, I got deployed again. I came back. I went on a couple of meditation retreats and then um, there was a couple of things that happened. One is that I listened to a talk from one of my teachers named Bhante Punaji. And he basically said, the only thing that there is to do in this life is practice Dhamma, you know? So then like that really got me like, well, you know, I was thinking, well, how can I practice Dhamma like full time all the time or most convenient way, you know, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then, um, then I also, I had a experience during a meditation retreat, which made it very obvious to me, you know, uh, what I wanted to do. So with that understanding, intellectual understanding, and then combining it with this kind of like experience, meditative experience, they both came together. And I looked at my life and I was like, I don't have any kids, you know, like I'm free right now. Like my family's doing well. Like I don't have any other responsibilities. Like this is the time I can do it. I'm in a position where if I wanted to do it, I can do it. And then I asked the monks, you know, can I ordain? And they laughed. They're like, oh, you know, nice story. (laughs) And uh, they did that like two or three times until they noticed that I was being serious. And then they told me, okay, we're going to watch you for a couple months. And then uh, we'll see. And so then after a couple months, I think it was almost eight months, then they told me, you can come and stay at the temple as a layperson and we'll watch you. So then I stood at the temple for a couple of months as a layperson, practicing eight precepts. And then I got my lower ordination, which is the Samanera ordination in Theravada, They call it like the papaja. So it's basically like 10 precepts. But, you know, you kind of practice the two, 227 without officially taking them, you know, like a trial period. Um, and then from there, it took, it took me another three years to get the full ordination just because uh, I was waiting for my inactive reserve component military thing to get out. So even after you finish technically, you still have another two years. Right. So I, I had to finish that because one of the rules that you have, or one of the questions you get asked when you become a higher ordained monk is, are you under the service of the king? Which nowadays would mean like the president or the orders of the commander, right, of the country. So I, I couldn't say yet. I couldn't say no to that question. So I couldn't get the high ordination.
0: I, I think that's great. You actually hit on uh, a few topics on there as well too, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. So you went to a few different temples, and there was that mm-hmm. language barrier, right? And so I think that's in our Western world, we have a lot of you know Buddhist temples. I mean, you could literally in you know Los Angeles is a great example. You might mm-hmm. find every single mm-hmm. tradition of Buddhism there, but it may not be always one that you can actually, I would not say engage in, but like really you know, get delve into, because maybe there could be a language barrier, like you're saying, not all the monastics might actually speak English, because they're traditionally uh, attending to the the cultural needs and the, uh, from the country of, you know, what that temple is actually um, uh, supporting. So I think that's a challenge for a lot of Westerners, but then you also hit on one where the monastics were kind of laughing at you like, oh, and what? what are, you, are you serious <laughs> about this? And I think that's something uh, that needs to be talked about as well, because you probably have, and this is really one reason I wanted to do this video and talk with you and just bring up this topic. You have a lot of Westerners, the first thing they, they think about, probably don't know anything about Buddhism yet, but I want to become a monastic right away. And there's this romanticized vision of like what being a monastic is and how you become a monastic and, and everything else where you know they're kind of shocked by reality sometimes so going to a temple they may be disillusioned well maybe i can't you know understand what's going on here maybe don't even believe you know like why would you want to become a monastic you're living in this wonderful western civilization where you got everything why would you want to give that all up right Mm -hmm. you're like hey this is really what i want to do and they saw that that faith and determination in you we are like okay if you want to do this Let's go on to the next steps, and I think that was also important. Where you're not just ordained, you know, the next day it's like, well, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna watch you. We should probably do a little retreats here with us, and then even after you're ordained, we're gonna watch you some more, you know. So you, we mm-hmm. you really want to see that you can really essentially have this monastic lifestyle, a homeless lifestyle, and be able to mm-hmm. follow all the precepts, which I think is also something that Westerners don't really see. Like we have maybe as Westerners. Five precepts maybe you know maybe up to eight or ten depending if we take a retreat but you have how many precepts do you have to follow
1: 227
0: there you go and <laughs> you know i, I know in, in Theravada, it's not almost a lot of uh, uh nuns there but like you know how many you have a, a, a bunch more precepts right yeah 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 so i think you know these aren't kind of like you know rules to punish you but it's also you can as monastic whether that's uh, a monk or a nun progress on that path towards you know, enlightenment, nirvana, right? I mean, that's all there to to help us. But, you know, as laypersons, we're going to be very challenged to actually follow all Mm. those like hundreds of precepts, right? So when you first became uh, ordained, and you went through this entire period, what was most shocking to you? And like, what is almost like the daily life of a monk? What's your daily life, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, here, like within like the Mahayana and the Theravada tradition, you can see some differences, especially when it comes to like uh, more like East Asian Mahayana. Everything's very com- communal, like everyone meditates together, like in Zen places, Chan, you know, everyone does everything together, works together, everything together. Uh, Theravada tradition is true, but in, within the Theravada tradition, there's a lot more alone time where you're left alone for hours on your own to like, you came here to meditate, you go do that, right? You came mm-hmm. here to study. You go do that. Like the place needs to be clean. If you see something dirty or messy, you need to clean it on your own. So there's like a lot of self-initiative, you know, in my training where I felt like really like, you know, like what's going on here? Like where's, where are the monks at? And then I asked other people, other monastics who trained in the Theravada tradition within the Sri Lankan tradition too. And they're like, yeah, like I had a friend who uh, went to Sri Lanka and he was left in his little hut and his little kuti for hours throughout the day without seeing any other monks so there's there is this kind of more of a traditional like shamanic, you know, ascetic kind mm-hmm. of feel to it that you would see in traditional like Indian practices where you're just kind of like the lonely med- meditator on your own. You know, we do chanting in the morning together. We do meditation in the morning, but the majority of the day you'll be on your own. So that was kind of a shock. I was expecting, you know, like us being together more. I was thinking like, oh, now I'm going to be friends with the monks like that. You know, the chief monk's going to be my buddy. He's not going to be your buddy. He's your teacher, you know. And uh, all the other monks there are senior to you. So they're going to be they're going to be like these authority or mentor figures, you know, so they'll be friendly with you. But there's like some there's some, uh, you know, barriers that are out of respect that are not going to be crossed. So don't come in thinking that like, oh, me and my friend, me and my monk friends are going to be just hanging out all day and chit chatting like that's not going to happen. You know, I don't care if you're in the Mahayana or Theravada. It's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: Right and so i think that's a good point too so there's there's a element there of what's the right word here uh self-motivation you know for what you're doing mm-hmm. self-discipline and the discipline is also a, a major part of being a monastic right i mean you're disciplining not just your mind but kind of everything else like you're you're trying to be very holistic in what you're doing because we're trying to get towards you know nirvana right and i liked how you gave the example of you know the two major branches of buddhism so like uh, i'm I'll say Mahayana. And so like, you know, I'm, I'm not a monastic for my temple, but it's a Chan, you know, and imperialized Chinese Buddhism, you know, temple. And you can see it's very uh, structured there as well, communal living, but very structured as well. And monastics are doing everything from arranging classes to retreats to website, uh, online. I mean, it's like a, a variety of different things. So they are busy, busy, busy all the time. And so do, do you ever have to do that? Like uh, interact with slave persons, uh, arrange anything or... Uh, kind of like do you have to do kind of like any outreach or anything like that or assisting people or can you just like hey I'm just going to stay in my room the entire time (laughs) or, or do you have responsibilities essentially where I'm going
1: so every monk's responsible for like the upkeep of the temple so even the chief monk you'll see them like sweeping and doing you know like regular things I took it upon myself to pick the own thing my own the things that I wanted to do so for example uh, you know, because I like Zen and in the Zen tradition, the chief monk is the one who cleans the toilets. So when I got here, I said, I want to clean the toilets, you know, <laughs> so that's, I took it upon myself now. So now no one in the, since I've been here, no one else cleans the toilets. That's just my thing. They never asked me to do it. I just took it upon myself. And so everyone has like different duties. Some people sweep outside, some people clean inside. Like, so we have like shared responsibility. And also if you see anything out of order, it you have to take the initiative, you know, and clean it up. You shouldn't be like, well, that's not my job or I didn't do it. You know, like you have to, whatever needs to be done, you need to do it. Um,
0: There's basically no janitorial service coming in. You know, it's, it's you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. 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 You have to do your own laundry, right? You have to do all these things. And sometimes unexpected things happen at the temple. And like, you have to kind of be like a, like a handyman. You have to do a lot of handyman work, especially within the Thai tradition, like Thai monks work hard. They mm-hmm. actually like build temples, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing a lot of the hard lifting, so like uh, heavy lifting. So you know, if you're going to, thinking about going into the Thai tradition, you're basically gonna do be like a labor, like part right. of the year doing right. <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, um, but yeah, so I do like I assist facilitate meditations. Most of the stuffs online because I do a lot of outreach to like the Latin Latino community and stuff like that. But you know, I would say that you could if you wanted to you could spend about like 80% of the day alone if you really wanted to
0: so i, I liked how you also mentioned uh thai so like you know in that culture it's it's very culturally appropriate to become uh, ordained you know uh, at least temporarily right and i i've alf- often seen a lot of um westerners uh you know comment on they like well can i just go to thailand and you know become a monk you know almost like it's a a rite of passage for something that's not a rite of passage in our culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, if I'm not a, if I was never a monk, then am I really a Buddhist, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm kind of diving into two, you know, topics right here. So, do you think, you know, and this is just your, your personal opinion because you're obviously um, uh, ordained in the uh, Sri Lankan uh, tradition that was Theravada, but like so then we got you know the uh, uh, Thai tradition of, of Theravada, mm-hmm. right? And there's different ones there, but basically, you know, you're going for maybe a month, three months, maybe a, a couple of years, maybe, or maybe your lifetime, but there's not a requirement to essentially stay there long-term, you know, uh, in, at least at least in a Thai tradition. And so should a, a Westerner, and that's primarily what I'm talking about, should he like, well, I, I need to buy a ticket to, you know, Thailand to become ordained. And, you know, I, I think, you know, where I'm going with this topic is, Is it okay to be a layperson? And obviously my my opinion is yes, you know, absolutely. If you can become a monastic, I think that's fantastic. You know, I I definitely admire what you've done because that's not something you see a lot of Westerners, you know, actually do, you know, but being a layperson, there's a lot to that. You know, I don't think a a lot of people actually see that at least, you know, with my temple stuff, there's a lot that's actually going on that you can actually do. So um, what do you think about, essentially, you know, temporary ordination, you know, like if they went to Thailand and stuff like that. And also, this can be like almost a three-part question for you. And then also as a layperson, because, you know, we also have the, you know, like short-term retreats, whether that's, you know, maybe a day, weekend, a week, you know, or, or even longer, depending on the tradition and also the uh, the temple. So kind of like, what's your, your thoughts on that? Basically, what should a lay person do?
1: So, yes. You can completely follow the entire Buddhist path as a layperson. You don't have to become a monk. Uh, What the monk's life does is it creates, you know, easier or better conditions. It facilitates the process, right? Mm -hmm. That's what Mm -hmm. it does, uh, really. And also, you know, as as a layperson, laypersons have also their part to play, you know, in in helping the sangha. So without laypeople, monks cannot exist to begin with, right? Right. So they play a, a very important role you know, they shouldn't see themselves a second to monks, because without them, there can't be monks. So they're essential. They're, they're not a second position. They're essential. Without the lay people, there is no community at all. It's impossible, right. especially for, you know, within the Theravada tradition, where like, we don't cook, we don't buy food, we don't do anything. So like, we would just like starve to death, right. you know, if, if, if there was no lay people. Uh, so yeah, so the Buddha, you know in the suttas in the early, in the early taxi praises lay people, you know, for what they do, how they support, how they practice, uh, how they do all these like regular things. The Buddha praises them for taking care of their mom, for taking care of their children, right? right? The Buddha praises them for helping others. So Buddhism is a lot more Westerners. We think Buddhism is either like philosophizing, you know, or right. meditating. Right. So in order to be Buddhist, you have to, you know, like be a philosopher and you have to be like a meditator. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. That's a very, you know, very narrow view of Buddhism. Uh, they asked the Buddha, you know, at one time, like, what is it? What, what does the Buddha teach? And the Buddha said, well, to avoid bad, to do good, and to purify the mind. So to avoid bad is the sila, the precepts, right? Mm-hmm. To do good is to practice charity, to do good actions, to share, to, to be part of your community. And then the last one is to purify the mind. But you can mm-hmm. also purify the mind as a layperson. Mm-hmm. you know there's no obligation uh, to become a monk so i think you know as western buddhists once we start actually engaging with the text and we start interacting with a traditional like you know asian buddhist community mm-hmm. you'll see like how rich the lay life is mm-hmm. because as a western buddhist as a lay person maybe you just go to the temple once a week once a month you come back home mm-hmm. but that's not the experience of a lay person in asia like mm-hmm. They're a lay person, 24 hours, you know, like, like that experience of being a Buddhist is not like when you go to the temple only, like they're walking down the streets right. and like the environment is all Buddhist. So it's, it's very different. So once you get that kind of wider lay person uh, perspective, you'll see how rich the lay life is. And I think you really need to experience that for yourself. If not, you're always going to feel like, well, as a lay person, I'm missing out on Buddhism. And the only way I can get the whole thing is if I become a monk. Right.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, too. I mean, it's you you also have um, organizations or groups, you know, which are are Buddhist, maybe, you know, Zen is, of course, very popular inside America, where sometimes I would say you almost get like a stripped down version of Buddhism, which may be a little bit cleaned up compared to if you go to, I guess you mentioned, like an Asian temple, you know, uh, uh, Asian Buddhist temple. It's it's rich. There, there's lots of you know uh, ceremonies and practices. People know each other. I still remember when I went for um, my triple gem ceremony, exchanging phone numbers and everything. Right there, you, you're building the, this community just like right away. And that's that's what it's about. You know, if I could be closer, it'd be great. You know, but it's <laughs> it's one of those things where we we are in a basically in a culture that's not pre- predominantly Buddhist obviously. But when you're inside that culture, you're right. You know, uh, that in, in Asian countries, it's, it's all around you. And even like how you interact with people and what you even say, like, uh, as, as you know, uh, we, we've talked a lot about Chinese Buddhism. And so, you know, they'll go to other people, like said, they're actually saying a Buddhist name you know, to each other, but to us, that'd be very unusual to say. So it's all that kind of interaction that we don't have here. And so, um, it i kind of mentioned like you know the retreats right you know so not maybe every temple does it to all the same degree but mm-hmm. i think even the buddha you know had that you know back in his time where mm-hmm. you need to give laypersons you know kind of like a, a little taste of this monastic life and i think for and i like to, for you to speak on it gives you one the taste of monastic life like i just said but it also kind of refreshes your your faith and your knowledge and and everything else. I mean, you're you're engaged. You know, if you can, you know, stay at the temple, or you know, just kind of you know stay longer. That's nourishing, if you will, uh, when it comes to the Buddhist religion. Mm-hmm. So, do you have that like uh, at your temple? Like, because uh, I know, like you you stayed overnight. Was that sort of like a retreat, or just like, hey, w- we want you to kind of like you know stay a couple couple of times and get get used to the uh, the environment.
1: So it was, it was basically, I was like a kind of like an ultra boy position, ah, okay. you know, where, where you come and you stay and you have to wear all white and you practice mm-hmm. eight precepts and you just kind of like help the monks around and they kind of mm-hmm. tell you kind of like how it's going to be when you become a monk. But what I noticed when I did that is that since I was at the temple all the time, I got to experience the authentic, like, you know, in Asia kind of experience mm-hmm. here, because the only people who come here are Asian Buddhists, like, mm-hmm. you know, only on Fridays right. when we have like the open meditation to the community, you see Westerners come. So I would see how they would talk to me, how like they were like interested in the smallest details of my life. They wanted to exchange numbers too. And you know, they would see my mom. They're like, oh, how's your mom? Is she doing well? How are your brothers and sisters? How are they dealing with all of this? You know, and it was very sincere. And they're like, oh, if you need any help, let me know. So this is very like communal kind of interaction, Buddhism. And there's where I really got to see the fruits of the lay life, right? The selflessness thinking about others, the compassion, you know, wanting others to be uh, uh, free from their suffering and how generous they are giving dana. So then, you know, I actually, even as I, when I first became a monk, even to this day, I was like, wow, if I knew about this, maybe I wouldn't have became a monk if I (laughs) had grown up in that culture, because that's what I was looking for. I was looking Mm -hmm. for the Buddhist lifestyle, you know, and I think you only get that if you really engage with traditional, you know, Buddhist communities and Buddhism is not like something that you do as a hobby or as a club or online only. Like when you do that, I can see why you would want to become a monk because you want to immerse yourself. I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's, you can immerse yourself as a lay person too. You know, it might be a little bit difficult depending where you're at in the world, but you know, try to find that, try to first get that immersive experience of like how it is to live with other Buddhist people. Mm -hmm. And that might be enough for you. You might get what you, what you want. Once you start doing that kind of like, uh, you know, like participating deeply in living the Dhamma in in every word and every action and every gesture that you do.
0: I I absolutely agree with that. It's if you want to become a monastic, become engaged, you know, with your temple and and the religion and, and learn about it. and, And like you did, Hey, this is what I'm interested in. So you can, you can have that path, but see what it's all about. It may take, uh, Hey, a couple of years, that's okay. Cause if you want to become a monastic, you know, what do you want to do for the rest of your life or just for the day or for the year, or just to say you're a monastic. <laughs> right. And so um, it's, I absolutely agree with that one and, you know, becoming a monastic, you know, kind of a, you, you mentioned this a little earlier on, that's the most, uh, what's the right word here. Maybe the, the best path to actually achieving enlightenment, especially in Theravada, right. Mm-hmm. So in Mahayana, we have, you know, the Bodhisattva path and it's, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit different views on the past. I mean, all the same goal, but just kind of like mm-hmm. different different paths there. But when I bring that up, I remember there was this uh, Japanese monk and he's like, do you want to be a, a one-fisted fighter or a two-fisted fighter? And so like a one-fisted fighter in, in Buddhism, for the analogy, was a lay person. And two-fisted fighter is a monastic. So if you're, you know, you want to go into this battle against, you know, greed, anger, and delusion, you know, one fist or two fists, you know, to kind of go mm-hmm. into that. And so, Yeah, absolutely. Becoming a monastic is, um, it's, yeah, fantastic what you did, but it's, I think everyone has to take a, kind of like a step back and actually be engaged with that particular, uh, temple. And I think you have some people, you know, jumping around as well. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. you're going from one temple to another temple, maybe discouraged here. And, you know, we, um, during, we're still in the pandemic it hasn't ended really but like you know last year we put together that uh, guide regarding you know kind of living mm-hmm. through the pandemic you know through the COVID-19 pandemic and we have a lot of this online like we're doing right now with Zoom right and as you mentioned you know that's fine but actually having that in person getting engaged with that community is so much more different and I know that's really hard for a lot of people they don't have anything around them you know it's mm-hmm maybe hundreds of miles or another country. And so there's actually a temple or something. So this could be, it could be books. Have you, uh, because I know you actually do outreach with a lot of uh, Spanish speaking people around the world where there's Mm. maybe not even a temple nearby. So Mm. for for them, what would you recommend? So like even just becoming a lay person could be even even challenging, but if they want to become a monastic as well, what would those challenges be? What would be your recommendation? So for example, maybe somebody, you know, in Mexico, it's like, yeah, I want to become a monastic, but where I live, there, there's nothing nearby. There's no monastics. What would they do?
1: <laughs> you know, I know that's, that's a loaded question, right? <laughs> I've, actually, I come across it all the time, you yeah. know, almost like every other month. Um, And, you know, what I, what I tell them is like, well, you, you don't, you've just read about Buddhism. You've seen mm-hmm. it on TV, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, I respect that you want to become a monk and you want to take your practice deeper, but you don't know what it is yet, you know, and you wanting to become a monk, you're overshooting, you know, like it's go, you're going too far. You don't even know how it is to be a lay person because you're alone, you know? Right. So like wanting to be a monk is way too much. You don't really know what Buddhism is because you have to live Buddhism, right? Mm-hmm. So I tell him like, I usually tell them like, let's wait a year, let's talk for a year and I'll right. teach you what I know. And I'll connect you with other Buddhists because one Like my biggest thing that I do in my online groups uh, through Casa de Bhavana is I try to connect people, mm-hmm. you know? So like you're in Mexico, I try to connect you with other Buddhist people in Mexico. And I even send them to other, you know, meditation teachers, lay teachers. I send them mm-hmm. to like other schools like Mahayana, Zen, mm-hmm. Vajrayana. I'm like, go, go meet these mm-hmm. people, go talk to them, go see how it is, right? So I, I try to help them, you know, experience the Dhamma and meet other mm-hmm. Buddhist people. And then, you know, unfortunately, um, n- <laughs> no one has made it past the year, you know, uh. that I've said, because after that, either one or two things happen. Like, one, they they, they begin to understand the richness of the lay life. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, wow, like, this is good enough for me. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I wanted, right? Or another one, they realize the extent to how, how difficult it is to be a live a mon- as a monk. And they're like, okay. Right. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like watching, you know, those Kung Fu movies. And, you know, I thought I was going to live like that. It's, it's not like that. Because yeah. as we get to talking, I share with them, you know, my daily experiences as a monk. And they started being like, how did, mm-hmm. but I thought it was going to be like this. I'm like, yeah, this ain't Hollywood. This is real life. You know, this is Buddhism on the ground. Yeah. And it's not going to be like your fantasies about some paradise in some other mm-hmm. world. That's not happening. You know, the real life is that, you know. Monks have their own idiosyncrasies. You're going to get annoyed. They're going to bother you. They're going to forget things. Mm -hmm. Lay people are going to come to the temple. Things are going to happen. You know, regular life. Nothing's going to change except like you don't have hair and you wear like robes. But you're going to be the same person, (laughs) but with 227 rules and in a place that's foreign to you in a foreign environment. Can you deal with that, with that level of isolation, physical Mm -hmm. isolation, and to a certain extent in the beginning, social isolation too? Mm -hmm. Is you may not be able to communicate, it's not your culture. So are you, can you do that? And then usually people start backing down, you know, right. I'm not a good promoter of monasticism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think also, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I've heard you, like you're able to, um, you know, s- s- do the chanting, do do, do, this, do this, you know, speaking, you know, you know, like you know, Sri Lanka or Sri Lanka or Pali are, are usually mostly Pali. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that's something that I think people don't realize either. you like, you have to kind of be able to, if you're going to become a monastic is usually going to be in one of these particular, you know, traditions, you know, that's culturally specific, you know, so English is great, you know, but can you also maybe speak another language or, or Pali or Sanskrit or something like that? And I even know kind of like, you know, far as the, um, uh, you know, temple and organization, you know, that, you know, that I, I follow, like they go to, quote-unquote Buddhist college. You had to go for, go for years. And so, like, are you okay going for years to another country and, and essentially living like a monastic before even a monastic, you know, essentially, mm-hmm. in that way? So it's a commitment. And I, I know I'm not ready for that commitment. Maybe, maybe in a couple of years. We'll see. But, you know, for right now, I'm okay as a layperson. I, I realize what I'm attached to and stuff like that. Maybe some things I don't know. But it's I, I know that's that would be very challenging for me. You know, even though, yeah, you know, the romanticized vision of that looks great. There's a lot more to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's really telling too. Like, you know, you, you, you deal with people, you help them you know, for about a year, they're like, yeah, okay, you know, layperson life, I think I'll stay there. And that's okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. okay to be a layperson. And like you mentioned, we've had throughout Buddhist history, we wouldn't be here right now without laypersons and monastics. Mm-hmm. So, like, even the, the, when we look at the, you know, Taipitika, you know, like all the Buddhist scriptures and canons and stuff like that usually governments and, you know, funded projects by wealthy people. We've had, mm-hmm. even to this day, all the books that you get, quote unquote, for free have mm-hmm. been paid by somebody, you know, just to mm-hmm. come out of thin air, the buildings and everything else, you know. So sometimes we have in, in um, uh, for Westerners, like, well, shouldn't this all be free, you know, right? But mm-hmm. the monastics have to live and they have to live somewhere and they have to have this and that, right? So there's all this, this foundational support. Because I, you know, I read it one time somewhere that, with persons, there's a lot dealing with morality or conduct on that. So they are going to be, you know, the wisdom category as far as the eightfold path, right? They're going to be mm-hmm. learning the sutras and stuff like that. They're going to be doing that, you know, that, that discipline, you know, that meditative concentration, but it's, you know, that daily life, you know, kind of, like you touched on earlier on, is the morality, conduct, following the Buddhist teachings and just in your everyday life is something that you can do. So you mm-hmm. can't be, Quote upon like a mini monk without being ordained in everyday life by following the Buddha's eightfold <laughs> path. You know, you're just taking that, that extra step where it's the most direct path, you know, that way compared to a lay person, but we still can practice Buddhism. So it's okay to be a lay person.
1: Yeah, you know, Alan, in the Pali Suttas, there's an occasion where they ask the Buddha about enlightened beings in his Sangha and mm-hmm. the community. And he says, you know, there's like thousands of enlightened lay people. Yeah. within the Sangha, you know? And he goes through all the different levels of, it, of 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 enlightenment, of awakening all the way down. And then he says, even those who are not enlightened, who are practicing five precepts, they're going to be reborn in this heaven because they mm-hmm. did so much good. So the Buddha praises the practice of of, of the lay life, how, you know, they, they right. can reach so many different attainments and, you know, how the li- monk's life wouldn't be possible without them. And he praises their virtuous qualities and all these kind of things. So once we start actually, like, engaging with the act, you know, with the actual traditions, you start seeing like, wow, the lay life is really something beautiful and it's something rich and it's important and it's essential. It's not a second position.
0: And all that support is, you know, generating merits. Like you mentioning, like, you know, it's maybe in this life, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be essay. I'll never reach, you know, enlightenment, but we're setting the stage, stage Basically we're, we're generating these, you know, k- karmic seeds, you know, if you will, that's continuing on. So that is, I think, you know, the, uh, something that, you know, Westerners look at, like, well, I need to become a monastic. Cause I need to get this done. Hopefully in the next five years, you know, I, I need to be enlightened, you know, realize Nirvana, <laughs> and be done with it. Right. We're very, you know, goal success, you know, oriented. So looking at, you know, laypersons like that all they're doing, that's it. They, they don't want to achieve this. I think we all want to achieve it, but it's, it's a very challenging thing you know we had the you know original buddhism source buddhism we had you know the buddha right there we saw you know great success he was right there teaching everybody we've had that as you mentioned you know like throughout the you know the years and centuries going on we've had enlightened people but it's it's a very challenging thing we have so much you know greed anger and this delusion or ignorance kind of going on it's just very challenging for us so whatever and maybe what's a good analogy is as much as we can clean that mirror or that window, or, you know, just get rid of that dirt as much as we can do, it's really helpful, whether you're a monastic or a lay person, mm-hmm. just engaging. So, you know, I definitely want to thank you for for being here today and talking with me and talking to everybody else, you know, sharing your experiences. Do you have anything that you'd like to say to anybody just, you know, brand new to Buddhism? And maybe that was their first thing too. Like <laughs> I, I want to be, I want to be a monastic, right. I think we kind of mentioned, we, kind of mentioned it a couple of times too, like it's okay to be a lay person, but mm-hmm. what would be like your party and advice you think?
1: I would say the most important thing would be to, you know, try to meet traditional, you know, like Buddhist people somehow, even if it's online, yeah. like, you know, instead of connecting to like a Western group, which you might feel a little bit more comfortable with, you know, challenge yourself a little bit, feel yeah. uncomfortable, yeah. you know, like challenge yourself to put yourself in this awkward position and reach out to like traditional, like Chinese, Korean, Mm -hmm. Taiwanese, Thai, Mm -hmm. Sri Lankan, you know, Burmese reach, reach out to these people online. They love to talk to Westerners anyway. So like you're going to find a good reception and get to know them and how they live their daily lives, you know? And that way you'll get a, you know, a better understanding than like book Buddhism or Google Buddhism or, you know, I don't know, like workshop online, retreat buddhism like right. those things are not you know they're not accurate yeah. they're like taking a a very narrow portion of the dhamma of buddhism and you know calling it that you know it's it's not a fair representation of what it actually is but when you meet people who for many generations their family have been buddhist you actually get to see like wow this is how you live the dharma life mm-hmm. and maybe that will be you know sufficient for you maybe that's what you're mm-hmm. looking for maybe you're really just looking To be part of a buddhist community and live the dharma in everyday life and because you don't see that you're thinking the only way i can get it is by becoming a monk you don't have to you know that's not the only way so i'd really suggest that try to connect with traditional buddhists and you know just be their friends try to become their friends and i think that will really help you understand what real buddhism is instead of academic buddhism because academic Buddhism is not real Buddhism <laughs> right you know right. just like academic anything is not the real is not the reality yeah. of it
0: yeah I, I think that's a good point too the um um you, you know if if you if you can do it online you know that's fine because as we mentioned like you may not even have something around you but let's say you got a vacation I always mention this you got a vacation or something like that we'll see if you can't well obviously we're in a pandemic right now it's very challenging be you know in person in a lot of these places but Yeah, see if you can actually rearrange your vacation towards maybe a retreat or something. Yeah, that'll be short. Maybe it's just like a a glimpse of that experience, but maybe that's going to be something that you just can't get, but could use that to reinforce everything else. And um, and I'd like to hear your opinion on this as well. I I talk about it often is, you know, superstition and everything else in Buddhism where these ceremonies and look very unusual, and at least even at what I found in many, many years ago, like, well, that's just cultural, or that's, I don't believe in that, right? And I, when you start to actually learn the, I would say the, the deep meanings behind them, you're like, wow, that's actually a really interesting way to understand and practice Buddhism. Yes, you're going to get these, these, these tinges, you know, of cultural uh, aspects to it. it makes perfect sense. But it's a, uh, I think you're getting two things from it, understanding of another culture, which is always good. Always good. Right. Mm-hmm. But also another way to understand Buddhism, and maybe you can have your viewpoint to it as well. But there's this is a religion and we have a lot of different things here. The Buddha had a lot of uh, supranormal powers and everything else. And so which, you know, a lot of Westerners like, Whoa, wait a minute. But that's part of it. And so I think when you start shutting yourself down from that, you're you're missing out when you're engaging with the, you know, traditional Buddhism, you know, these traditional mm-hmm. Buddhist temples you're missing out because you're trying to now interject your Western and and Mm -hmm. viewpoints of what religion is, of what, you know, what is right. It was not right. You know, I think if we went back you know, maybe 200 years, like how are you talking to a, a, a glass thing in front of you, right. To somebody thousands of miles away or hundreds of miles away. Right. You know, or flying around, like this would be all super normal and superstitious to them. Right. We'd probably be, arrested or something so it's it's very unusual so i think we have to really you know keep our expectations in check but open our hearts and our minds you know to like what's going on it's it's been around for 2600 years for a reason you know developed and refined and open open yourselves up when you go to you know (laughs) to these temples and don't be so even as
1: because when you're in your own culture you don't see the own superstitious or metaphysical things that are happening so even us as americans you know you go to a game and what do you do? You stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Well, that's just like a fabric with colors on it, mm-hmm. you know? What you're doing there is some sort of kind of like devotional practice, right? You're putting right. your right hand over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag, right? Kind of like yeah. I pay homage to the Buddha. Namotase. Yeah. It's, you know, if someone from outside of this culture, like, well, how weird, why would everyone stop what they're doing and, you know, worship like this flag that's in the air? But it means something to you, right? You're mm-hmm. recognizing the value of what America means. Right. So when you see a Buddha statue, it's like the same thing—the value of the enlightened ones, mm-hmm. you know. And then we go to we go to cemeteries and we put flowers. No one's gonna get those flowers. Those flowers are just gonna, right. you know, like the right. person's not there. They're dead. Why do we do it, right? That's also a metaphysical, you know, superstitious mm-hmm. practice that even very secular American people do. Mm-hmm. But since it's within our own culture, we kind of don't see it that way, right? Yeah right so but when we see another culture it's clear to us right oh wow that's a superstitious thing that's a trivial thing so we kind of have to recognize that even within our own culture there's all these kind of things that are Mm -hmm. you know symbolic symbolic Mm -hmm. gestures that we do and we shouldn't be turned off by them just because they're not ours you know (laughs) right You know, everyone in the world uses symbolism and we just kind of have to you know understand that and, and and be okay with it um and yeah, so that's just something, you know, you, you have to, you have to get in touch with.
0: And since you mentioned about the flag, so we were both in the military, uh, different branches, but I remember uh, I was in a, a, th- a movie theater on the base and before the movie started, the American flag came on, everybody stood up and we mm-hmm. basically did the, you know, the pledge of allegiance right there. I'm like, what's going on? And you really think about it, you're inside these different cultures and you just got used to that, you know, mm-hmm. as you were inside our cultures. So, even inside our culture, when you go into these different environments like the military, it's a different experience, and you get accustomed to that. So what what you and me may be aware of when we we're in the military may be a different experience than other people have as well, too. And I think the same goes for for Buddhism. So it's yeah yeah yeah. C- keep your mind open, and, and as you gain more wisdom and understanding, you talk with monastics, you you learn things. I think it it becomes a, a much more rich and rewarding experience for a layperson. And if you do want to become a monastic, absolutely possible, right? You yes. shown it yeah, absolutely. But I, I think I think we're, we're basically telling people pump the brakes. <laughs> pump the brakes, uh, you know g- get involved and understand things. And uh, if you really want to do that, I don't think either one of us say no to that. I mean that's that's absolutely wonderful. but make sure you understand what you're getting into, but there's there's a whole life you know that you can actually have as a, as a lay person.
1: You know, I would say, you know, treat it like if you're going to get married or you're buying a house, right? Right. It's a big commitment. Think about like, you just wouldn't just marry anyone, hopefully, right? (laughs) Or you just wouldn't just get any house. Like you'd, you'd, you'd get to know the person, you get to know the property, you know, you do, you check all the benefits and, and, and all the, and all the possible like things that are not going to be good too. So you have to do thorough research, take your time. You know, people takes people years sometimes to get married, to buy a house might take years too. Yeah. So, you know, kind of apply your normal uh, common sense Mm -hmm. also to Buddhism, right? Don't suspend your common sense just because you want to, you know, take this path all the way. No, use your normal common sense uh, to, you know, evaluate what's happening in in Buddhism. And -hmm. I think that's very important because sometimes when it comes to religion, we kind of give it a pass and we make exceptions. Mm -hmm. And like, well, this is different because it's religion. Like, no, no, no. You should always do your research. You should always investigate, take your time. There's a sutta called Upali Sutta, and the Buddha even tells the lay person, I don't think you should convert. You know, I don't think that's a good idea for you. So there's occasions where the Buddha even tells people who are willingly wanting to become Buddhist, hey, slow down, you know, yeah. and sometimes he puts them on probation for six months before he lets them become Buddhist. So, you know, if this was the advice of the Buddha, you should right. probably listen to it, you know, take it slow, take your time and really think about it.
0: Yeah. And what was that suja where I, I can't remember who it was, but basically it's a very prominent person inside this community or village. It's like, I want to be, you know, become a, um, a monk, you know, a bhikkhu. He's like, no, you know, uh, I, I, you are, are so prominent inside your community. I don't want you to become one. He probably didn't say exactly in those words, but, you know, you're exactly right. It's like, so he didn't really take in everybody and he was really mindful of mm-hmm. those who, who should come in. There's other ones who's like, why are you waiting? You know, so like if you're yeah. ready <laughs> to commit, you know, then, then you're ready to commit. But it's it's really going to be, and kind of like how you put it like about marriage. When you speak to the monastic at, at the temple, you're like, I want to be just like almost like you did. So almost like you're getting married. You can talk to the pastor or the priest. They're like, we want to get married. So it's marriage counseling, right? So it's mm-hmm. basically counseling. Are you ready? Just like you've been doing for a year with other people. Do you really want to become a monastic? Here's what it's about and and getting prepared for that. And maybe they are ready for marriage to become a monastic you know or or not and either way is the right answer yeah 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 well hey, thank you so much for uh joining me um and if anybody has any questions you know for either me or bonzi uh, you know please leave it in the comments below we'd be happy to answer it so i think we covered a lot of topics you know uh, today but i'm sure there's gonna be some other you know questions you know coming up in bonzi He's lived a life. He's went from layperson to monastic. So we can definitely ask him. All right. Thank you very much, Bonte. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no worries.
0: All right. Good night, everybody. And, uh...